Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Triple H has been in charge of creative for a handful of weeks now. How do we think it is going? Why don't we discuss about it? I'm Luke Cohen. That's Tempest. That's Pete. This is the Rest Talk Podcast, and we are the Blackpool Content Club. Screw you, Ollie and Andy. It is a good name. Yeah. It's like how, you know how in AEW you've got uh, the House of Black is the trio, and you've got Kings of the Black Throne. We've got LIW. Mm-hmm. With the addition of, of Luke, it becomes... With the addition of Luke, it becomes the Blackpool Content Club. That's just that's just how it goes. Yeah, no, we're right? just saying that I'm I'm the Malachi Black of this this scenario, and you're no, 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 your no, Buddy no. Matthews, no, no, no. And your Brody your King. Buddy Matthews. We're Malachi Black and Brody King. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's how this goes. That is how this analogy works. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the leading guys. <laughs> Make me the good one. Make me the leader. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we wanted to. We're trying to think like, what do we want to talk about for our first episode of mm. this sort of new experiment that we're doing of the Rest Talk Podcast Number One Evil Uno Number Numero Uno Numero Uno. Um, and we thought we'd talk about you know Triple H has been in charge of creative now for a handful of weeks. He's done two Raws, one SmackDown, and a pay per view uh, at the time there. And I think that we've kind of noticed all noticed some. The various changes that has been made, and I mean, I think the the obvious one of that is just like, hey, let's bring back all those NXT stars that I, I didn't want my my father-in-law to fire. Mm-hmm. So I, I suppose, uh, Pete, I'll ask, I'll throw to you first. Like, mm. how do you feel that like Raw has been for the last two weeks, particularly coming off that SummerSlam? Um, exciting is what it's been. Uh, it hasn't been, you know, the greatest show known to man or anything but there's some really encouraging signs uh partly through their returns and i think more importantly there's an increased focus on things that i like in my wrestling it appeals to me more you know there's an increased fo- uh, focus on longer matches better quality matches increased focus on the women's division is a really nice thing to see there's a lot of points to it and even like on the the um this week's episode of raw when you have a subtle story playing out throughout the show. That's just like something we haven't seen out of WWE in such a long time. I really didn't think they were going to pay it off on that episode. Right. Um, I really thought they would just do like the the crashed car in the background and like that was it. Mm. And they would make no other reference to it. And it would just be a thing like, actually, I mean, in a way, 
Buddy Matthews on SmackDown. Do you remember, like, with the Who right. Ran Over Roman mm -hmm. Reigns, and everyone was like, oh my god, it was Buddy Murphy, because he's there in the background, and it just yeah. becomes this Twitter thing for a week. Yeah. So I was really surprised they actually paid it off on that episode. Yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised, and I think that is, for me personally, because I, I love subtle storytelling. I love looking into someone's body language or a way they said something or a look they gave or something in a certain thing and i love like breaking that down and thinking oh what does this mean what do they, what what does this symbolize you know all that stuff that's my that's my bread and butter when it comes to storytelling so sh having like a subtle story play out throughout the entire length of an episode of raw i was like hell yes i'm on board for this so we had SummerSlam, the return of Dakota Kai and Bailey. But I think like focusing mostly on Dakota Kai because she's the NXT star, the fired NXT star that was brought mm -hmm. back. And then Monday was much more of an emphasis on her and, and Io. On SmackDown, we had the return of Karrion Cross mm. and Scarlett. And then on this past Monday, we've had the return of uh, Dexter Loomis. And he said Parker Bordeaux there for a second. But <laughs> no, he's doing, he's beating up Sunny Kiss on Rampage. Yes. Um, so Tim was like, that's four episodes of a show now three of which have had returns do you think that we're gonna have a period of time where it's like okay what i, I suppose what i'm trying to get is like do we have a, an idea of what the show looks like when it's not the return show you know, like how like dynamite had this for a little bit when it was mm -hmm. just like it was debut it was debut it was debut it was debut and then it's now in a period of time where it's had no debuts and people have now gone like huh the show doesn't seem as exciting as it once did because you aren't just having the big returns right yeah i think the the things that are encouraging aren't the returns and the debuts and everything like that to me. It is just more of an emphasis being put on storytelling and making things make sense and making the show more cohesive and more must-see. Like that first episode of Raw, I watched the whole thing. I, and I sat there and I was like, every match here is keeping my attention because you literally went from an opening promo with Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch and the returns of Bailey and everybody and then you went right into great matches you had the triple threat match and you had EO and and Bianca Belair later on that show and Oscar and Alexa Bliss and everything made sense within the context of the show so while yes the debuts and the returns and everything are like the big exciting things that'll get oh, the most views on YouTube and everything I don't think that that is the drawing factor to me on the show. Like the show has been more exciting for me because I can look at things because WWE has always had like, you know, they're WWE. They have the most cards to play with. You know, they have the most history to pull from, the most footage that they can use, the most prestigious championships that they can rehabilitate. And to just see on the first night that Triple H is really in charge of this show, that they wanted to put together a video package to be like, hey, the US title's really important. This is why you should care about it. And then gave us three separate matches on one show to build up that championship. That's the sort of thing that really gets my gears going about this show and about this transition, as opposed to just seeing new faces. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's just because the new face has been Dexter Loomis. And it's, you know. <laughs> the new faces are also the old faces. Oh, no, 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 no. No, wait, no. I don't want this anymore. But that being said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do see the appeal in, like, the returns and everything. And I think once those level out a little bit, I think we'll get to see Triple H's vision that he had in NXT and, you know what he's wanted for all of his children to go through NXT. I think we're going to start to see that play out on the main roster, and that's very exciting. 
So when I, because I've been off uh, for the last week, so I missed like two episodes of Raw. Mm. But I actually like, and I never do this when I'm off on holiday. I watch them mm. because I was really legit curious to be like, what are these shows going to look like? And yeah. I watched that first episode of Raw, and I watched it on the BT Sport app, which unfortunately has like the full three-hour thing. Mm. Sure and, does. And because it's an American TV, there's like twenty thousand ad breaks in mm -hmm. there, so you're like constantly like pressing forward and stuff. But I was watching the show, and at no point did I think, like, man, the show's, like, really dragging. I actually felt that with the, like, with the second episode, the se because I felt like it was a great two-hour show that had an unfortunate third hour still there. Because when I like, get headlined with, like, Bobby Lashley and Cherub, I was like, man, what a great show that was. Oh, wait, that's only the top of the second hour. Oh, yeah. oh, oh dear, we've got another hour of this. Um, but actually, you know, it finished quite strong. But, like, that first episode, I was like, man, this is, like, really flowing really well. Like, it's uh, segment into segment into segment, matches, matches, matches. And I couldn't really put my finger on why I really was getting on board with it, just that it was a really good wrestling show. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until I watched Ollie's review of it, and he was like, it's because it only had four stories. Mm -hmm. It had, like, the women's division, it had the US title thing, and I think there were, like, two other things. Like, there was just four focuses on the show. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, that is a really good reason as to why the show feels because go back and watch other episodes of raw that have happened this year and it's just disparate nonsense that just mm -hmm. happens over and over i mean when we were talking about it when we reviewed raw we talked about that show as feeling uninspired mm -hmm. this show felt like it had some inspiration behind it they yeah. had goals they had things they wanted to accomplish stories they wanted to tell and that's like the baseline <laughs> that you want mm -hmm. for a television show isn't that the funny thing like and now we've got it we, but like the last two episodes of raw i think as well really in the grand scheme of things broadly fine shows <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the baseline standard of what a good episode of a tv show yeah. would be. but because raw has been so bad for yeah. the last couple of years particularly like 2021 i think was a really bad year for the show to the point where like actually 2022 has been bad as well we've had people being like messaging in being like i'm looking back on the thunderdome mirror being like i think that was better and like, I think now the Thunderdome era of Raw was better than the live attendance era that we came back to. But I think that it's been so bad that these two shows being just actually good mm. have made it be like best shows of the year, like mm. high quality. Like the bar was so low that just doing a massive step over it feels like these are five star shows. But actually what Triple H is, in, is introducing is like this is our base level of quality and we can just rise from here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is you're saying that it has such a low bar to overcome and stepping over it feels like a big deal. It's because that bar felt so insurmountable for a while. Yeah, right. Because it felt like nothing was changing yeah. in WWE for so long. So the fact that we We've now broken that glass ceiling and kind of gone through it and been like, they can change. Things are happening. And it's like me and Tim have said forever on our SmackDown reviews, there's so many negative ones on WWE's program and these tiny little things that just keep dragging the show down. It's like, this would have been good, but there was this thing that was wrong, this thing that was wrong, this thing that was wrong, which are minor things, but they stack up to be a big deal. And there's so many less of these negative ones now under Triple H's programming. These aren't huge changes apart from the returns. But there's small things that will add up to a much bigger difference. It's 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 exciting. Case in point, that first episode of Raw that Triple H was in charge of had two DQ finishes. Mm. They booked two matches that they didn't really want to have a finish for, so booked two lame DQ finishes on it. The thing I hate the most about WW programming is booking yourself a match where you don't want to have either person win, so you just do a lame DQ finish. 
and they did two of the buggers <laughs> in one episode of Raw. Yeah, and no one is mentioning it because there's so many. There's no negative ones elsewhere on the show. Mm-hmm. There's only plus ones elsewhere on the show. That these two things here don't seem like big deals because everything else is so great. So you're like, I mean, that's not great, but all this other stuff is great. But if you have like two bad DQ finishes and everything else on the show sucks, it just highlights mm-hmm. how poor these two DQ finishes are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really like amazed when I was listening to the podcast reviews that people were doing of it. Like no one batted an eyelid at two DQ finishes back to back in the women's division as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's a case of, it, it's kind of like the same sentiment as to why people I think are more forgiving of AEW programming. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of people who are anti-AEW or not fans of the product can't understand will be like, well, this thing is, is bad in AEW. Why don't you guys care about this thing that's bad in AEW? And if they'd like, have done that in WWE, you'd have if been they'd have done that in WWE, you'd have been pissed off about it. It's like, yeah, but there's so much other good stuff on AEW that it doesn't affect you as much. Whereas when you have so much negative stuff stacking up in WWE, it's like, well, this is just another one of the terrible things on this show. Yeah. But when you have other stuff that kind of like eases that negative feeling it's much easier to look at the positives of a wwe show like yeah it was a dq finish but did you see how they gave that match so much time and they look great coming out of it like yeah it's it's easy to look past that stuff agreed agreed i think when i look at it and you say like this is like it feels like a a five out of five episode of raw or something like (laughs) that comparison it does it feels like a five out of five based on the standards that we had been used to for so long and we will say very often like you know whether it be dynamite or whatever like you'll see what would be the best show of the week and be like that was a good episode of dynamite three out of five whatever but that's still like a five out of five show if you compared it to Raw's standards. Yeah. I think as this goes on, this the the triple threat episode of Raw, that does not remain a 5 out of 5 episode of Raw. That is a 5 out of 5 episode of Raw following the previous week. That's right. But yeah. when this becomes the new standard, hopefully it does. Mm. If Triple H is able to just put this on and that becomes his standard of, of quality, then that becomes the 3 out of 5. Yeah. And then you get the opportunity to see the real five out of five episode exactly. of Raw that I hope comes within like the next year and blows everybody's mind. And people actually say like that was the best show of the year because hopefully it was. I also think Triple H is very good at it's how you leave them, folks. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that second episode, like I said, I thought it was like actually a pretty standard episode of Raw for like the first two hours. Pretty good, actually, because I thought the Champa Lashley match was real good. Mm-hmm. That was a great, great match. Also because like it didn't, I think one of the, the falls, the pitfalls that WWE's had with Bobby Lashley is they've made him too OP. Mm-hmm. And so like literally no one can beat him. But they found a way to make Champa like look on his level. It really elevated Champa and it made Bobby look awesome at the same time. But then it had that third hour. And when Dolph Ziggler comes out for a match with Chad Gable, I was like, oh, these guys are going to die a death out here, even though one of them is a hometown boy, not that the crowd particularly cared. And uh, and then there's like, and the main event is going to be AJ versus The Miz. I was like, eesh, oof, magoof. Like, we are in for a rough old third hour here. But you had that closing moment at the end with Dexter Loomis in the crowd. 
I'm I've never been a big Dexter Loomis guy. Like I I'm not like I I didn't have to do the NXT reviews like you did, so I didn't have to sit through all of the Dexter. Are you telling me that all those times you came into our live chat <laughs> and told us that we were wrong for not liking Dexter Loomis? Are you saying that that was performative, Luke? <laughs> was just, actually, like like a lot of times I come into the live chats on your shows, I'm just trolling you guys. <laughs> you know, like with the yeah the Naomi Sonny Deville stuff. I'm like it's just long term storytelling, you guys. <laughs> But like, so I've never been the biggest Dexter Loomis guy, right? Like even in his impact days. But like, it was just such a moment of like, it just shot so brilliantly. Mm. AJ is mostly in the foreground and it's just this thing happening over here. And it really did make it feel like someone had jumped the guardrail, someone was trying to. And if you're a wrestling fan, you're like, oh my God, that's Dexter Loomis. But the commentary didn't focus on it. AJ just looked at it, it was like, okay, focus on something else. I like played to the hard camera. It was so brilliantly done that I actually forgot that Dolph Ziggler and Chad Gable had just a two and a half star you know, match with no crowd reaction. And like AJ and The Miz had a perfectly fine serviceable Miz match. Like none of that mattered because it's how you leave them, folks. Mm -hmm. And I think that Triple H is, I think one of the things he's going to do really well in the coming weeks isn't that he may have like this standard. He'll always have something to end a show on that makes you go, well, I need to tune in towards next week. Then he's like he's an attitude era fan. Yeah, he. I mean, he, according to him, he created it. Same <laughs> <laughs> so, and Vince Russo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, like in his mind, it's like, well, that's what people liked about the attitude era. Was like, I have to see what happens on next week's show. So, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Even if that third hour is pretty badass, there's going to be a final moment at the end of it. It's like, ah, well, next week there's going to be a follow-up to this. So I have to tune in next week to see, like at least that first hour of next week. It's so important. Like mm. the ending, how many times do we sit here and we watch like a four-star match and be like, God, that was great. And then they have a random lousy DQ finish or a count out or whatnot. And then you just go, nah, this company sucks. Sounds a really good example of that. Actually, it's, sorry to cut you off there. It was the uh, Forbidden Door, the Fatal 4-Way. Yeah. Fa that Fatal 4-Way match was incredible, but Adam Cole's injury meant that the finish was really balked. Yep. And like the three of us sat there were like, ah, and it just took the wind out of our sails. It took the wind out of the sails of everyone. And like Moxley and Tanahashi had to work really hard to get the crowd mm. back into it. And they did by the they end did, of the, yeah. the, the end. But that's your point. Like that was a great match. Yeah. But that butt finish to it through no one's, no, really no fault of anyone's kind of took the wind out of everyone's sails. And that's kind of what we tend to have sometimes. So you need right. that finish as well. You do. And I'm more forgiving in that sense because it's just an injury and, you know, Can't help S happens and what what can you do? But my my favorite example to go to is actually from uh, the pandemic era, mm -hmm. pre-Thunderdome, when they were in the stupid performance center. <laughs> and they did, uh, I think it was Extreme Rules, the horror show at Extreme Rules. <laughs> With the eye for an eye match. With yes. the eye for an eye match. And on that show, they did Asuka and Sasha Banks, and mm. it was, like, one of the best women's matches WWE did that year. But then, like, the ref got bumped. Bailey put on a, a, a ref shirt oh, and, yeah. like, counted the, the, the pin, and we were like, that... What? That and then make Sasha sense. just left with the Raw title, and we were like, well, I was really enjoying that match. Thanks for that, WWE. Yeah, yeah. And so often the shows themselves kind of feel like that, too, where, like, even if they have a really good show, so many times it's just the go-off-the-air angle is just lame, and 
and uninspiring, and you just kind of finish the show and go, man, that show sucked. Even if it really didn't, because yeah, that was a perfect example. Like, that Extreme Rules show was a really solid show, but filled with lousy booking mistakes and dumb finishes that take away from the enjoyment of the overall thing. And now I agree. I think Triple H is smart enough to know that you got to send him home happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping that that's what we see going forward. And the thing is, it's not even necessarily send them home happy. It's send them home excited. Yeah. Mm. Like, whether it is feel-good moment of, hey, this person won, everyone celebrate, that's great. Or it's, oh, God, these hills are doing this crazy thing. What are they going to do next kind of thing? That's a, a, a hook for next week. Because how many times in, like, late 2019 would a SmackDown go off the air of Baron Corbin and cronies do a lame beatdown and then go, the mid yeah, in the ring? And then that's it. That's your ending angle. It's like, there is nothing to enjoy out of that. It's a person we don't like celebrating and standing tall and doing nothing exciting doing it. But like you said, Triple H, I think, has enough business sense to know that you need to do something exciting. Even if it, heel, even if it is heels doing a beatdown, do an exciting beatdown. You know, tear up the ring, do a big, like, explosion spot at the stage or something. Like, anything that's going to be exciting or memorable to talk about next week, How what's the fallout going to be from this thing? I think it's all like that second episode that he did. The other moment I think that really caught a lot of people's eye was the Kevin Owens thing. Mm. Kevin Owens coming out and powerbombing Ezekiel, who got no entrance <laughs> into the ring apron. Effectively, he was being like, well, this storyline is dumb. <laughs> yeah. so, like, oh, I don't like this storyline, but I do like Kevin Owens. Yeah. So Kevin Owens got. They made like very little reference. Like Kevin Owens wasn't like doing the, you're, you're a liar, you're a liar. Like it was none of that stuff. It was just, he came out, he beat him up for a bit, powerbombed him to the apron, and then that was it. And then mm-hmm. Ezekiel died on his way home to his yeah. home planet. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're going to see stuff like that. And I also think the the story that they were doing with Champa, so he won the triple threats and then he beat AJ. There was a nice little bit in the backstage interview that I think is something that's, that might is going to play off later, which is where the interview, I'm going to say Sarah Schreiber, I don't know if it was, could have been Kevin Crabpatrick, I don't know who it was. But she said to Champa, I was like, Champa, you've just won a triple threat and you're going to be facing up against AJ Styles next. Actually, I think he already won. It's like, and you're going to be going for the United States title next week. Miz, you came up short in your triple threat and you lost to Logan Paul at SummerSlam. And now he's also lost to AJ uh, mm-hmm. in there. If we're having this hard reset of Kevin Owens being like, let's get Kevin Owens back to NXT. I really think we are heading down this path of splitting Champa and The Miz, yeah. which i have been asking for since the second they put them together because like that's a very vince thing to do is like i don't know what to do with you you're with the miz you're the miz's lackey Mm -hmm. you're the miz's rookie the miz's rookie you're (laughs) alex riley you're brian danielson like that is the role that you are fitting here but triple h looks at champions like no no he's a guy like he's a guy i can like do something with but rather than just split them apart immediately and just do a hard reset it's like well let's turn this into a story Let's do a long-term breakup of these two. Like when Ollie was like, oh, doing his fancy book and like, he's going to win the title next week and then Gargano's going to come back and that's going to be your title feud. I was like, whoa, let's, let's pump the brakes slightly because <laughs> this is Triple H. I think Triple H is going to do a longer build to this. And maybe they'll have a match. Maybe it's not the clash. Maybe it'll be towards the end of the year and they'll do something like, I don't know, what TLC, if that's the like last pay-per-view of the year, or maybe like the pay-per-view before Survivor Series. I think there's so many like different opportunities now. And, and what makes this exciting for me is because so often, and I've said this forever about the differences that I've had with WWE and AEW, where with AEW so often, you could sort of fantasy book these things, and it was fun to be like, well, I wonder what they're going to do next. I wonder how Hangman Page is finally going to split from the elite. And every week, you get 
a little bit closer, but you're not given the full slice of the pie. But with WWE, it was always like, it doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's not even worth thinking about on a long, like, you can do it. You can say, like, well, this is what I would do. But when you know that what they do is probably going to disappoint you. Or they don't, or they just don't do it at all. Or they just don't do it. They just drop whatever storyline you care about and whatever. Like, yeah. all the things that I said about what they could do with Hit Row. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It wasn't worth thinking that far ahead. But now, even if, because I thought Tommaso Ciampa was probably going to win the U.S. title just because it was like, oh, that's more interesting than Bobby Lashley as champion at the moment, to me anyway. And then he doesn't, and I was like, my first reaction wasn't, oh, stupid WWE, you don't know what you're doing. It was, all right, well, let's see what you do then. Mm -hmm. Let's see what your idea is. Going into the episode, I had two potential outcomes. Was that Miz costs him the title, like, like costs Champa the opportunity to be like, you're trying to overshadow me, and they just do that the split there. Or he wins the title because the Miz helped. Halfway through the match, when I, I, and I heard the crowd reaction to Bobby and the crowd reaction that Champa wasn't getting, I was like, oh, I think Bobby needs to retain here, actually, because Bobby's so mega over at the moment. But also, at the same time, I don't blame the crowd for that lack of reaction to Champa, because why would they have a reaction to Champa? Mm -hmm. He's presented, apart from last week, as a nobody, as a mid-card lackey, to, or lower mid-card lackey to the Miz. So no one, like, that majority of that crowd didn't buy him as a a US title contender and that's why I think Triple H is smarter than most of us because he probably also thought like this crowd aren't going to buy you yet yet being mm -hmm. the operative word we have got to do some work now to get you mm. back up and build you to that level where people could buy you as someone who could beat Bobby Lashley. I, I think the the point that you were making is one that I wanted to, to get onto at some point is that I think the, the, the idea of what's exciting to me about Triple H now is that there will actually be continuity from week to week Mm -hmm. Stuff will matter and stuff will have knock-on effects for future weeks. We will see characters go through arcs and we'll see, you know, character development and all this stuff, which sounds really basic, but it's a lot of stuff that was missing from a lot of WWE's programming in that, you know, you, you'll have something happen one week and then the next week, it doesn't matter that that thing happened because we're just going to do something else or we're just going to repeat the same thing again or say, whatever. You're going to you know? get it again. We'll just get likely. it again and we go through the same arc again and again and again, which means it isn't an arc. And I, I think it's that thing where we can now say, well, I think they're heading in this direction is an actual sentence that makes sense because they are heading in a direction. Yeah, totally. And it's that level of excitement that will get even casual and hardcore fans more engaged because they're going to be more excited about the possibilities of what's to come. And they can talk about it with their friends and be like, wow, I didn't see this thing coming. I, w I wish that this thing is going to happen. What do you think they're going to do next kind of thing? It's that sort of uh, chatter that you can have among friends that helps you get excited for the next thing. And especially if you're watching it in like a social environment, it's that sort of thing that gets you more engaged in the week-to-week -week program because you're more interested in the directions things are going. It's just... It's really basic. <laughs> I wanted to kind of go back to your point, though, about how you do need to retrain all these people that yeah, someone yeah. like Champa is someone that you need to pay attention to. Yeah. And yeah. it would be so easy for all of us to go on here and just be like, the show still sucks. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. They haven't pushed this person, this person, this person. Put the title on AJ Styles. Do whatever. It doesn't work like that. This does need to be sort of a slower process because just like how you need to teach fans to watch the wrestling again, mm -hmm. 
You need to teach them which of these stars are going to be important. And you can't just tell them that on the first day. You have to show them that. You have to show them that over a much longer period of time. And that's going to be with people like Champa. I'm yeah, sure man. that's going to be people like, if they come back, you know, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Because there's going to be so many of these people that need to be rehabbed, and he's got a hell of a task in front of him to do them all more or less kind of at the same time. But it's like, it's to but us. Yeah. But to us, we know who Gargano and Candice LeRae are. Like, to us, mm -hmm. we know who Dakota Kai and Io Shirai are, or Io Sky or whatever, right? But the majority of the main roster audience aren't watching NXT, and they weren't watching NXT Black and Gold. Even less of them are watching 2.0. Mm -hmm. So it's not even a case of just, like, rehabbing them because they had a bad main roster run right it's actually introducing them to a whole brand new audience like the, i would wager 90 percent of the main roster audience saw tomaso champa and like the first time they saw him was mrs guy mm -hmm. mrs lackey mrs mrs sub guy right yeah they have no idea of the black hearts like the mm -hmm. stuff that he was doing in nxt the feud he had with johnny gargan or anything like that but Triple H is a guy that's like, well, I know what this is, mm -hmm. and I know how to retell these stories. He could easily just redo the Gargano Champa storyline on the main roster, literally from square one, and just redo the whole thing again. Or he could just put together some really awesome video packages and explain to your audience, this is why you should care about these people. Yeah, I think it goes more with people like, if they wanted to push someone like a Chad Gable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who's like a perfect example of just a guy that Vince never got. Nope. Never got him, Ricochet, whoever it is. They never got. You need to put in the effort over a longer period of time with those type of guys to make the people see, oh, well, they're not losers. You had it with mm -hmm. Rick Shea on SmackDown. Yeah, Be absolutely. Beating Baron Corbin. Yeah, and and that was, you know, there was a little bit of interference from Pat McAfee or whatever, but Ricochet got a win, and they wrestled, and he looked good wrestling because he's Ricochet, <laughs> and that's what he does. Like, that that match did so much more for him than being Icy Champ. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah. Re remember when he was Icy yeah. Champ? And he oh, my beat God. Shanky? Great, great <laughs> run! Oh God! So yeah. I, I think like the moments like that. Chad Gable, I think, is another really good example. And yeah. I think what's kind of interesting, we were talking about this in the office before we came in to record this. Like one of the things we were talking about, like maybe this will be our talking point, is the. Uh, and actually, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about on the behind the scenes podcast we did for Patreon. Um, you can go over patreon.com forward slash for us to talk. Good show, that by the way. But it was a fun show, it wasn't was it? It was a lot of fun. We were talking about like how like this has been a crazy year for news because we had like Cody going back to uh, leaving AEW and going to WWE, which in February just did not seem like it was gonna, a possibility. Was like, remember when Sean did that show? It was like, Cody Rose doesn't have an AEW contract. And everyone was like, yeah, all right, whatever. This isn't news, Sean. He's just gonna re sign. <laughs> just re sign, handshake deal. Exactly. And then he's at WrestleMania. Yeah. And then, you know, we had all the Wall Street Journal stuff and Vince retiring. And like, it's, man, every week this feel like this crazy news. And I said, like, what happens next year when there isn't this news? And I can't remember, I think it might have been you that said, like, it's all the jumps. It's yeah. the talent jumping back and forth. We are now possibly getting into a Monday Night War era mm -hmm. of talent. Like, and it's not going to be like it was in the Monday Night War because we're now locking people down to longer contracts. You're not going to have Luger showing up on the <laughs> show the week after. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like Miro's signed in for five years. Like Malachi Black's in for five years. Like a lot of these guys, like they signed their contract, they're in for five years. But do we think we're going to be getting people requesting releases? And, you know, and like, will Tony Khan be, you know, the the Vince McMahon? This is just to be like, nope, you're in for a contract for this amount of time. We'll keep you here. Because there's all of a sudden, like, people have been saying, like, Trinity Triple H in charge. Andrade, Miro, Malachi Black. There's like a, a bunch of these names. Keith Lee is another one that I've seen, even though he's a current tag team champion. And people are like, I can't wait to see them go back to WWE now. Now that with Triple H will know what to do with them. 
it, it's a really interesting conversation because everyone was itching to see these people get to AEW yeah. because they wanted to see the true that like the NXT versions of these characters or at least like a true representation of these characters under someone who knows what they're doing. Triple H is the guy who knows what he's doing with these characters because that's the reason that we fell in love with those characters in the first place. So I think everyone trusts Triple H to have those characters because he knows them. He's the one who presented them in the first place and that's what got people excited about them. But they've gone to AEW because that was the closest thing that we had to Triple H at the time. We now actually have Triple H, the actual guy. We've got both guys. We've got both guys that kind of know what to do with them. And I think there's some people that are going to be more disappointed with some of the people's presentation. I think Miro was fantastic as TNT champion. And since then, has been a bit like he was off for a while. And then since he's come back, he's kind of been here and there and not really doing much. He just He's cutting great promos. Great promos, like, but for nothing, really. That's it. Like the, the promo we had on Dynamite this week. Yeah, like, it's great. And like, there was only one person in the room that I could say this to, and it was my 10-month-old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I don't think she particularly cares. Nah. Uh, but I just I just turned to, I turned to my kid and I was like, he should be on TV more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really should be on TV yeah. more. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But it's even like Andrade, who's been kind of like... He's, he's been there in AEW. Yeah. hasn't really been... Effect- Occasionally, he'll have a great match. And that's about it. Malachi Black has, has looked great with the House of Black. Like, that whole presentation is amazing. But, like, they haven't really done anything. Yeah. They've been in an occasional feud. No, no, no. They've been in it. one long feud oh, with yeah, Death yeah, Triangle. Yeah. Like, I think JR even said on this episode of Dynamite, like, when like Brody King, Malachi, and Buddy Matthews were in the ring together, JR was suddenly like, like, wow, they're a really good faction. That's a really cool looking yeah. group. Like, they've yeah. got a really good dynamic about yeah. them. Like, yeah, I know, Jim. And I think, like, it's that sort of sentiment of being like, these guys aren't being quite used how we thought they would be. Then it's not the NXT versions of these characters and that's not what we want. Maybe they should go back to WWE because Triple H will treat them right. It's a really interesting sentiment. And the thing is as well, someone like Malachi, for example, who was actually sort of already had some of that exposure in WWE, had the new Dark Father character right before he got released. So there's already like enough uh history in on the wwe main roster for wwe to work with to be like here's alistair black back again and he's got this character or whatever there's enough for them to to use uh that as a jumping off point in that i don't think it would feel out of place for them to come back at all it's so curious i'm so curious what 2024 is going to look like because i think malachi black signed a three-year contract in 2021 so i think that expires in 2024 as well as i think andrade's as well it's just, I'm excited. Yeah, it's not long, really, when you yeah. think about it. And, like, there's, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because when they, like, WWE did this mass letter releases, you know, released like, what, it was like 180 people or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Ugh. There was a, gr- a big list of, there's a big group of names. that everyone was like, I, Tony needs to sign these people up, mm. like, right this second. And to his credit, to his enormous credit, he did. Mm. He listened to the fans and he signed up all of them. The problem was, he then signed loads of people. And the problem with the, they've got is they've got three hours of television and there's not enough time to get everyone on TV. So all of a sudden we've got, we're now reaping what we sowed. We asked Tony Khan to sign all these people. He did sign all these people, but now we're not getting enough of those people. We're not really getting what we wanted out of this. So now we're in a situation where we're literally like, as Danielson once called us, fickle fans who are like, all right, we'll go back then. Like go back to WWE and we'll see like what you can do with them instead. See, I was just thinking the word fickle because Obviously, I have not been the most pro WWE person around. Really? I know, right? Crazy. Kel, Kel Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, the goal here has always been wanting the best and wanting to be able to get the most out of the wrestlers. Uh-huh. And it was simply a case of like, well, no one is prospering in WWE except for like. Roman and a couple of other people. Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. <laughs> yeah. I said prospering. Always. No, I think Baron Corbin's prospering in that mid card. Yeah. He had a big match at SummerSlam. He'll probably have the rematch at Clash of the Castle. Probably. Yeah. But point being, like, it wasn't so much that I needed everyone getting out of WWE. It's just that I wanted to see everyone get booked well. Yeah, right. And so now it's a matter of, well, there's two places that could potentially book them right. Yep. So. 
Now I don't really care which side of the fence they're on Absolutely, anymore. Absolutely, because I like both guys. I like Tony Khan and I like Triple H's mm -hmm. way of doing things. And yeah. like, and I've got uh, if there's places then to work. That's a great thing. Yeah. And if anything, like if a lot of those do like jump from AEW to WWE, it's not even a bad thing for AEW because it just it means AEW can focus more on a perhaps smaller pool of talent. Mm -hmm. Tony Khan is a booker that has shown he's always learning. This is his first time doing a wrestling promotion. Yeah. And I think he just got excited oh, that yeah. he could sign Tony up. Tony Khan, people. excited? <laughs> Impossible. Well, you know, like... Come on, in the parking lot! <laughs> Coca-Cola will do that to people. <laughs> okay, just, like, get excited about things. And I think he just got swept up in the idea of signing all these people. Yeah. And he's now looking to be like, uh-oh, I've now got too many people. I think he's probably looking at that 2024 period being like, right, well, I'll address this when we get to it, but I may not need a lot of these people and yeah. if they want to go back to wwe absolutely and it's not a it's not a win for wwe it's not a loss for aew it's actually just a actually what it is a win for AEW. it's a win for both it's a win mm -hmm. for wwe and it's a win for aew a more balanced roster over here and a massive show over here getting back some stars that triple h really wants to do like he would love to get a keith lee oh god yeah. yes. he would love to get swerve strickland back. you know mm -hmm. what name keeps coming to my mind that i keep forgetting is in aew samoa joe Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> well, I was, I was, he's technically in Ring of Honor. No, exactly. <laughs> well, that, that's another interesting point that I think if you get a Ring of Honor TV deal, yeah. some of this is then it alleviated, is alleviated, right? Yeah. Some of these guys that all of a sudden are on TV once every four weeks, once every six weeks, then they can be showcased on Ring of Honor every week. And then I think that really does alleviate a lot of that pressure. But I do completely agree that we had for a long time a very bloated WWE roster. And I'm not saying that it was a good thing that they cut 180 people in the middle of a pandemic or anything like that, but it led to a roster that then AEW was kind of bloated. Yeah. And I think if you just get them both to kind of even playing fields, or as even as you can get with their discrepancies in television time, that's where I really think this wrestling war could start to really pick up. Because then you can have Tony Khan doing his long-term booking, like his booking the first year or so of, of AEW when it was a smaller roster, and it felt like every pay-per-view cycle was meticulously planned out. Now it's like, well, we need big matches every single week. Here's a TV special. I like special. those. Yeah. God, I like those matches, special, but I think there's a happy middle ground in which both companies are going to be successful. And I'm really excited for that. Or, here's, here's the other potential is that we had a bloated WWE roster that have now become a bloated AEW roster that just goes back to being a bloated WWE roster again. It's entirely <laughs> and possible. And we go back to being a bloated... So basically it's just, like, each, each company releases a load of people and the other company re-signs them. And then they release them and then this company re-signs them all again. Yep. And we just go, go back and forth. But yeah, I'd love it if we can get to that happy middle ground. Like, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan that likes wrestling. Yeah. Yep. Like, I'm a wrestling fan that if I've got two promotions doing really well, that's great. Like during the during the nineties and into the two thousands, it was wonderful that we had multiple places that we liked watching. I've never been into this whole tribalism. I've picked my side, yeah. and I only want my side to do well, and I want the other side to do bad. I've never really fully understood that. I've never understood it with DC and Marvel as well. Mm. I prefer Marvel to DC. It's just my preference choice. But it's not like I go to every DC movie being like, oh, I hope this one sucks because it makes my Marvel movies look better. Like, I don't finally get that mindset. So if I'm a wrestling fan here, and I've got a great AEW product, and I've got a great WWE product, I'm a happy boy, because mm. coming into work's a lot of fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly, right? I, I mean, we're going to enjoy watching Raw, and that's going to improve our mood. Yeah. 
we're going to enjoy watching SmackDown every week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hot damn. And it's that's the great thing about that is, and I mentioned this to you when I came back, it's like yesterday was my first day back in mm. the office, recording this on Thursday um, before it yes. goes out tomorrow. Um, and I said to you, it's like, and, I, and I, I, I still do mean this, but I don't mean it as disparaging as it's going to sound. Dakota Kai and EO Sky, like, as, like, big returns, I was, like, massively up here for. I'm less so on Killer Cross and Dexter Loomis, because, mm. like, yeah, like, Killer Cross is, I think Killer Cross is a great presentation, but as soon as that bell rings, I'm less interested, and I've got very little interest in Dexter Loomis. However, like, just across the board, it's, I'm still excited to see SmackDown, because it's not a case of, like, I'm not the biggest Killer Cross fan. But it's a new main eventer that we've got. Mm -hmm. And they've inserted him straight into a main event mm -hmm. program with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. And that to me is like, great. Like, that's awesome. Because all of a sudden, SmackDown's main event scene feels fresh, which is what it really needed. If Drew was a great, like, putting Drew in that position was, it's been needed for a while. And adding Cross into that picture as well, now it's a three way thing. That's even more exciting to me. So, yeah, like, Killer Cross, I'm like, Eh, it's a cool entrance, but ding, ding, ding. Eh, I'm not as bothered anymore. But I don't really care because I'm actually like, I just want to see what this main event scene is going to look like on SmackDown now. Yeah. Baron Cross being the number two heel on SmackDown is in fact better than Baron Corbin being the number two. Well, I was going to say, ha having no number two heel because yeah. like, Baron yeah. Corbin was like a number five at best. Yeah. And he was still the number two. Yeah. But I think it's important to say that like, you don't even need these new stars, potentially, to be the returns of former Triple H guys. I just have so much more faith that guys like Carmelo Hayes are now going to actually be given the chance to succeed. Uh -huh. Oh my god. Like, you know how we always used to get excited about, I can't wait for this guy to be on the main roster. Yes! It is literally like, what we wanted for NXT call-ups is like, now what's going to happen? If you have someone that you like in NXT and be like, well, I hope we get treated right on the main roster, they probably will now! Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. I could That's great. I could 100% see Pete Dunne being split away from mm -hmm. uh, Sheamus and his cronies and just be coming back to being the Bruiserweights and just being Pete Dunne again. The Butcher like, Weight. <laughs> <laughs> I said to Denise on the final Team Danuke show, like, I, apparently, I didn't know this had happened, but I was like, Mustache Mountain is like, for me, is an easy win. And then someone told me that they've broken up on yeah. NXT yeah. UK. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, like, I was like, split. no, did they? And yeah. Like, and I was like, to be honest, no one watches that show. <laughs> just put them back together on yeah. the main roster. <laughs> no one would know. No one will know. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. Like, no one will know. You can get away with it. And I'm like, if you had British Strong Style as a faction on SmackDown, I'd be well up for that because Pete Dunn is a uh, Pete Dunn's a guy that's been long overdue a push in WWE. The guy's been there for so long now, and it's just been toiling away in NXT UK, toiling away in NXT. Brought up to the main roster, and you're scrappy dude. Like that is not befitting of Pete Dunn. Tyler Bates is a guy that they signed when he was 19 years old, and they were pushing. Him, was like he is a future of this company. Night, he was 19 a long time ago. He sure was. He's right. now in his mid 20s, yeah. and you have done nothing with him in that period of time. I've had two jobs since <laughs> since Tyler Bate was brought in for that UK title run. I'm not saying he should have been like WWE champion no or anything, but he could have broken like every youngest champion ever. He'd have been a great thing. mid card champion, and then you can build him up there, and then you can push him into that main event scene when he is ready to be in that position. Yeah, but like he is a guy that I'm from NXT UK picking him up and just putting him straight to the main roster. Just bypass, I mean, he actually say bypassing. He had a run in NXT. Just like going, they were, he was an NXT tag team champion. Like him and uh, Mustache I mean, Man. Yeah, he was. 
They have a run in NXT? It was a short run. It was a short run, sure. yeah. yeah they, did the they did the rematch, the Tyler Bate and Pete yeah. Dunn rematch in, yeah. in NXT. That's true. And they did the, um, like, I think they got the only other five-star match in mm -hmm. NXT, Mustache Man in an Undisputed Era. Uh, well, was one of them. Yeah, the only one on uh, NXT TV history. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I, he is a guy that I think that Triple H would be like, all right, let's pick you up here and let's just plonk you down there. Because he's got a great roster at his disposal across NXT and NXT UK. And to your point you were making there, Pete, I'm now no longer like, oh, what are they going to do with this guy when they go to the main roster? Or what are they going to do with this guy when they bring him up to the main roster? I'm now like, oh, what are they going to do when they bring up Pete Dunne? Or what are they going to do when they bring up Tyler Bate mm -hmm. to the main roster? Yeah, and I, I think that's why I have a little bit more faith, because even though we've said not the biggest Dexter Loomis fans, <laughs> stuff that happened in NXT. You're seeing bring sorry, up Indy Hartwell man. as well. And I'm like, not, no. <laughs> no, no. Doing no. index on the main roster? No. Theory, the leader of the way is WWE champion. No. No, none of the above. <laughs> um, I was still interested in his presentation that he did on Raw because it felt different to NXT. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't really like what they did in NXT. So I was like, hey, it's different. Um, but even so, it, he, I think that Dexter had some upside, but it was his booking and some certain aspects of his character that we were like, I'm less interested in this side of things. But him being that kind of like, deranged guy that security has to hold back he has like the wide eyes and that sort of like presentation i was like i can believe that for dexter lewis i think that's a good presentation for that character so just being able to not even just replicate nxt but know where their strengths lie mm -hmm. and be able to play into them that's a is, good one is what triple h is really good at i think that is a fantastic point because how many times have we seen People get called up from NXT, and first of all, just the concept of, here's your developmental brand, we're going to develop these guys, and then you call them up, it's like, alright, let's change everything about them. <laughs> yeah. Let's forget all the development that we've done. Let's That's what happens when a guy who's running the main show doesn't watch the developmental yeah. products. Yeah. Idiot. Absolutely idiot. But... Just the ability to look at what's happening in NXT, look at what works, say we'll use that, mm -hmm. we'll figure out what the weaknesses are there, we'll try and hide those as much as possible, and then really accentuate the, even if it is someone like Dexter Loomis that we're not big fans of, like, like you said, there are major positives to his presentation. He is a very good performer. Mm. He can have very good facials, very good body language. And just knowing that you can accentuate that without someone, some 70-something-year-old crazy man, writing scripts for this... Can you imagine what Dexter Loomis' oh script God, would have looked no. like under Vince McMahon? I, I can tell you exactly what would have happened. I can tell you exactly what would have happened. He would have been the quiet genius. Mm. He did have given him, <laughs> yeah. It was Vince's favorite character that he never really got to do, which is the monster who can solve Rubik's cubes. He's mm -hmm. actually clever. That's it's exactly it. They would have done that with him. He'd have had a backstage segment where he'd been solving Rubik's cubes, or yeah. he'd be like reading poetry or something. Because it's like it's it's something that Vince has masturbated over for years and yeah. wanted to put on TV, but never had a guy that could do it because it's a sucky character. I well, I don't know if you actually appreciate the joke, Luke. The joke is that, <laughs> is that, is that the joke is that they're big. <laughs> and they're, they're also smart. Trip when Eric Rowan was a vintner. Yeah, vintner. Got this big monster here, but what if he made wine? <laughs> <laughs> I smell WrestleMania main event program, pal. Oh, so, I mean, we got Jesus. The, oh, we got this coming up on Friday, actually. Like we actually talked about. We got our first example of NXT call-ups coming mm. up this Friday. Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks. It's Zoe Starks, isn't it? Yeah, Zoe, Star the, uh, yeah. Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark. Sorry. Is it, I, uh, is it, is it yeah, Stark? It's Stark. 
Is it Stark? Yeah, it's, Stark? Stark and it's Ricky Starks and Zoe yeah. Stark. Is that where I'm getting Zoe yeah. Stark. I'm not Arya Stark. Like, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, Zoe Stark, right? So like, I don't watch NXT. Um, so, like, it's, Tony Stark. Yeah. It's Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> but those are NXT call-ups that are coming up to the main roster for mm -hmm. the... Well, we presume they are. But I'm looking at that bracket, and I'm like, and there's every chance, actually. They might make it to the final of this. I don't know. I'm trying to think who they're, they're facing against. Is it Natty and Sonya they're up against? Oh, could so, be. I'm going to bring up. I'm going to bring up the thing now. Like, but the point I was going to make was this is our first example of an NXT call up, literally coming up from 2.0 to the main roster, where we're probably not going to see any changes at all within their character. I, I also mm. don't know if this is going to be a full call up. I feel like they're coming up for the tournament, and then we'll go back to NXT, but it's just a little more, like I said, it's that thing that I mentioned earlier about continuity. It's that mm -hmm. kind of crossover between NXT and making things make sense. These characters that have been on our TV screens, and it's it's also a crossover of the women's tag belts, because that's what they originally said, was they'd be able to float across all brands and all that stuff, which they never really did. Mm -hmm. They kind of teased it a little bit, maybe did it once or twice, but like never really followed up with it more than that. So having a tournament that includes an NXT tag team, I think makes a whole bunch of sense. I agree. I think it makes a lot more sense just to have much more. I mean, get rid of this freaking brand split at this point. Oh, like, yeah. for real. The brand split is I mean, the brand yeah. split is dead, but if you just have much more fluid action between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, mm -hmm. and not necessarily in that, like, the top stars need to be on every episode of every show or anything mm -hmm. like that. But just making it feel like anything can happen, like people from NXT, it will make sense if they show up on this show. Yeah. They won't show up just for no reason and then disappear with no explanation. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense for these, these two to be in a women's tag tournament, especially yeah. when... Women's tag belts have not had a whole lot of tag teams to vie for them. Yeah, no, know? I mean, they're, they're, like, that's actually evident in the brackets. I was just yeah. looking at the brackets again. I was like, well, this is a bunch of thrown together tag teams here. Sure is. Uh, it is Natty and Sonya that they're facing mm -hmm. uh, in their bracket. And the other so the other bracket in there is Raquel and Aaliyah versus Zia Lee and Shotzi. Oh, like it's it's sort of like a, a rough going of just like names thrown together. And I guess I could see Raquel and Aaliyah going over Zia Lee and Shotzi. Sure. Um, but that's when we, that's why I think like you might do Nikita and Zoe Stark mm -hmm. because that feels like the unpredictable side of that bracket. Because if you pick any of those other teams, mm -hmm. it's quite uninspiring. Mm -hmm. But you pick the two NXT quote unquote rookies, mm -hmm. like that's a much more interesting prospect going into the final against because it's going to be Dakota Kai and Io Sky, mm -hmm. and like and you assume they're going to win. You'd hope. But but it doesn't matter. Like if if it's they're your eventual winners. Go with the NXT call-ups and try and make something out of that. See, if yep. I could fantasy book for a moment <gasps> and, cha oh. and change this bracket slightly. Yeah. You have to do it like Adam. Yes. Let me Let have me a go. have a go. Explosion. Boom. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> if I could put one team in there, because I saw someone suggest this on uh, on Twitter. I would keep the Nikita and, and Zoe Stark team as like the NXT dream team of will they make it? Big upset. Have their semi-final match be against Shayna and Ronda. And have them just, like, they can put up a fight, like, they're inspiring baby faces, but just have them, like, you don't get to come up here and be part mm -hmm. of our main roster. We'll yeah. show you and, like, break Man, their arms, whatever. This leads into a bigger point that I was going to make earlier, but it, I didn't want to hijack the conversation. Is I've got a video on the main WrestleTalk channel coming out of people that uh, Triple H could give a world title run who who mm -hmm. haven't been world champions before. 
Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Has she not been a world champion? She's not been a world champion on the main roster. Is she not? No. no. It's absurd, right? Oh, yeah, she, she lost be, to she Becky Lynch. Be 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 and then has done diddly and dick done Fell down the Just been circling yeah. the drain. Absolutely nothing since then. She was a, a women's tag champ for a while, right? Yeah, so with Nia, right? Rehabilitate Shayna frigging Baszler. Which I think they've already started that on SmackDown. Yeah. Triple H yeah. was like, well, we need a challenger for uh, for What's-Her-Face, uh, Clash of the Castle. Yeah. Well, I'm picking Shayna because I really yeah. like Shayna. <laughs> Make yeah. her the, she's back to being the queen of spades again, I guess. And also, spoilers for that list, also Tommaso Ciampa, and also Chad Gable is on that list. Like the people who legitimately, with the right push, I think Triple H could really make those names work for a world title run. Mm-hmm. Chad Gable but, is man. destined for a great singles run. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, uh-huh. getting He's him out. So good. Like I like Chad. Like Chad, my heart belongs to Chad, the comedy wrestler, because mm. I like. I I. I Unironically like Shush. Mm-hmm. I think it is funny. Maybe I it's did, because it's I from did. a movie that I like. I did <laughs> like it. Then they ran it into the ground. A- a- agreed. But I I do like Shush. And I and I thank you. Like I think a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff he does is great. But yeah. I am also I'm yearning. Mm-hmm. I'm yearning for American Alpha he Chad needs, Gable. He needs to shave his hair off, get a gum shield, and become the wrestling machine Chad Gable. <laughs> he needs to go on a full Kurt Angle arc. I was about needs. to bring up Kurt Angle. Like, what if Kurt Angle didn't get to be Kurt Angle and he was just comedy goofball Kurt Angle? Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. great at that. Yeah. But if that's all you let him be, Kurt Angle's not going to be talked about as one of the best wrestlers of all time. So. I've actually recently just rewatched this. I was like in a, I was doing some editing, and when I'm editing, I tend to just sort of put on some wrestling in the background. I'll like I'll pick a pay per view at random, and I'll just throw that on as like background noise. AEW, WWE, WCW, whatever. I threw on the episode of Raw where it was during the invasion when they did the big ECW mm-hmm. uh, reveal, right? Yeah. Because I was like, it is a mess of an episode of Raw where they did six weeks of storyline in actually not even one show in half an hour yeah. <laughs> like they literally brought out ECW and then had a, a 10 on 10 match and the start of that match the WCW guys turned on the WWF guys and ECW and WCW announced the alliance oh and Stephanie McMahon's like the owner of ECW it was this mess of a half hour which is a glorious glorious mess but lost within that is Kurt Angle's babyface turn mm-hmm. where Kurt Angle just a couple of weeks beforehand had been tiny cowboy hat and singing songs like Jimmy Crack Corn and all of this with Austin and McMahon just doing backstage comedy segments he then does one promo where he is like I'm serious and the crowd went ballistic for him you can do that with Chad where you'd be like yeah I've been doing this for a while but now I'm serious son and now and you go on the serious run again. Mm-hmm. And like it, I you can easily do it with him because he's yeah. good enough to do that. And the thing is, he's such a likable person. Oh yeah. That he can genuinely he's like it's what I mentioned in the video, uh, plug in for the video, uh, that you can genuinely get like a proper like goodwill underdog baby face story going. Kind of like a Daniel Bryan type thing. Like people will legitimately galvanize behind him because he is that good. Uh, I want Chad Cable to do well. Yeah. I want See, Chad it's fun Cable. to talk about, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it fun nice? to be able to look at this and be like, there's actually hope. We wouldn't have once. had this conversation three weeks ago. No, absolutely yeah. not. And you can have the same conversation about like half the people on the roster, whether it's Shayna, whether it's Mustafa Ali, whether it's yeah, Dijak, Ali. whether it's you, like so many people that we haven't even discussed on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Half the roster now has like a chance. For the first time. And it's just so inspiring to sit here as a wrestling fan and to know that there's more good wrestling ahead of us than there was behind us. 
awesome you know what's also great about all this as well is that yeah there's all this exciting that we can talk about but it is still wwe because there was that Amos squash match on because yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yeah. when when Amos wasn't on tv for a few weeks there were people in our live chats being like i think Amos is done mm. like i think he's just not a triple h guy he, he's just not gonna get a push whatsoever who's <laughs> in that squash match was like nope they're still still going with this <laughs> <He's> still <there. laughs> like, yeah. the more things change the more they said this is still wwe and we're still mm. going with the Amos thing and i think it's the same with austin theory I think like he'll get his first name back and he'll just because I think Theory doesn't work as a name. I think no, Triple H is smart enough to realize he should be Austin Theory again. But I am now like curious of what they do with him is with Money in the Bank. Because the plan that they would have had for him with Money in the Bank is probably out the window. Mm. Like with a new guy in charge of creative. Not that I think they had a plan for him to begin with. Look at Otis. But I am now like because you know, people like Austin Theory's not been on the show for a few weeks. I think his push is done. He is a Triple H NXT guy, he though. Is. And Absolutely. a guy that they really do like. So I don't think they're just going to completely bury him and he's never going to be on the show again. No. But I am mildly curious to think, like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not as excited as I am with, like, a Champa push or a Gable push or a, or a Shayna Baszler push. But I'm like, oh, what am I going to make of this Austin Theory push? It's, again, it's noticing his strengths and weaknesses, which is what he kind of did in, in NXT, and that they, they debuted him in NXT as this guy who'd, like, rockets or something. It was, it was some weird thing that just didn't work. And then they changed him up, and they brought him into the way, and he was a very naturally funny, goofy character that worked really well for that. Whether they want to play off that and go back to the more goofy comedy side of things, or Triple H has seen other positives in him that he's going to accentuate... I don't know, but I do think that he's probably going to be used a little bit better than what he is currently, where he's going to be on every single show talking about how he's going to cash in at SummerSlam. It was really boring every time. <laughs> but, you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a bit better than that. Yeah, I think less repetitiveness mm. uh, of yes, programming nice. stuff, yeah. And just in general, less repetitiveness across the shows. I, I was thinking, when I watched that second episode of Raw that he did, and it was Seth versus Angelo Dawkins, I was like, in another time, this would have just been Seth versus Montez again. Right. Because it was a really good match the week previous, and yep. they doing like, do it again, pal. Yeah. <laughs> It was like the the Fightful Select report that said like for those who were thinking that Vince McMahon still might be like controlling from the shadows or like not really leaving WWE, somewhat apparently a WWE source said to them it was like there's no way that SummerSlam or Raw would have been like that if <laughs> Vince was in control. The show? Yeah, like it would have been SummerSlam rematches on Raw. Like that's that just would have been a thing, yeah. and it wasn't. It's Triple H's vision. I, full full transparency. Like I was one of those guys. That was like, I reckon Vince is probably still going to be pulling out on the streets. Not because of what I was seeing on the product. Mm. Watching the product has made me realize that is not the case. Yeah. Like, even before Sean's report of that came out, it's like, you watch SummerSlam, you watch that episode of Raw, and you watch that SmackDown, and you're like, no, 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 these are just Triple H shows. Mm -hmm. The only reason I had those Vince McMahon thoughts is because it's Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's like, Vince yeah. McMahon. He can't let go. Yeah. Like, he is always, like, even when he stepped down as CEO, he was still head of creative. Mm. Like, he is he's done this his entire life yeah. he doesn't sleep because this is all he does i thought it would be a very difficult thing for him to let go but i'm pleasantly surprised wonderfully surprised 
that Triple H has got full 100% control on this. Mm -hmm. And that is, and like, I'm so thrilled by that. Because I really did have this thing in the back of my mind. I even joked with you about this, that when the news came out that Vince has retired, my first thought was like, ah, I bet you he hasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this, is, this is just a public facing thing. And like, he was, he'll still be doing the show. He, like, you know, like when Vince Russo was fired from TNA mm -hmm. and he's no longer booking the show. And then Vince Russo, the big idiot that he did, sent across a running order to Mike Tanay, but actually sent, accidentally sent it to Mike Johnson, a PW insider. <laughs> and that's how we found out that Vince Russo was still booking TNA. Like, I thought, that's what will happen. This, that's the situation we're in. I was so wrong, though, and yeah. I'm happy to be so. Genuinely, when the, when the news first happened that Triple H was head of creative, it was like Hawkeye and Endgame. Be like, don't give me hope. <laughs> and, then, and then, like a couple of weeks later, I'm like, oh no, I'm hopeful. Oh my god, I hope Van Dyne. <laughs> Uh, well, let's wrap this episode up we've got any closing thoughts we want to share about the, the, the possible exciting times we've got ahead of us red hope is a good thing <laughs> that is my closing statement <laughs> yeah I got no, not too much else to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should, be, should be good I think we talk about it for an hour if you want my, t TLDR it good. <laughs> it's good. I, mean, I was thinking about, I was like, during this, I was like, what's the thumbnail this going to be? There might just be Triple H face, but this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely need my thumbnail for this. Or maybe I'll go with Pete's idea. It's good. It, it, it good. good. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's going to do it for uh, this first episode here of the WrestleTalk podcast uh, in this guise, I guess, because... It's all the WrestleTalk podcast. Yes. Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought. Let us know in the comments down below what, you, what you're excited about for Triple H-led creative, uh, what you think might happen with AEW, what might happen with Ring of Honor. Like, let us know in the comments. If you've got a topic that you think you'd like for us to discuss on next week's show, leave that in the comment down below as well because we'll be reading them and checking them out. We can bring those up on next week's show. Uh, but until then, I've been Luke Cohen. That's been Tempest. That's been Chopper P. Quinnell. And that was the Blackpool Content Club. Jam that jam. Jam that jam.